Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Welcome to DM to GM. This is a place where we answer your questions to help you feel more comfortable playing games around the table. I'm your DM from Dungeons and Dragons, Russ Moore. And I'm your GM from the End of Time and Other Bothers, Sean Howard. And today, Sean, we have a question uh, that we're very sorry that we've put off for so long, but it's from one of our lovely listeners, James. And they ask how to manage their murder hobo family. It's a great question. And now, in our defense, it did take us you know, a month to read this email. It's a little long and it, you know, it's, it's, it's a, a little, email, it, yeah. it's, there's a lot of background, which is helpful. Uh, just picking on you, James, we love you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. How do you deal with a murder? So, so what do you do if, okay. So there's sort of two parts of this, right? There's like, what do you do with, with a party that just wants to rampage and kill everything and don't want to listen to anything and don't want to, you know, and they just assume it's all just like a video game, which Russ, you can maybe talk about the early days of dungeons, right? Yeah, absolutely. Like it's definitely a style of gameplay that if if that is your background or your level of entry, what you're kind of comparing it to as a player or or a DM or GM, um, then that's what you're going to expect. Uh, and if you don't talk about that or curb that before the game starts, then you're just going to keep going down that path and you if you don't voice that concern uh might end up being frustrated as as um as your email sometimes alludes to (laughs) but let's talk like you've mentioned before that when you started early with dungeons right that they were like they wouldn't they just assumed every npc was there to give them a hint they were like here are the monsters to kill right like which i think is a common like it's a common thing that happens at a DD table right? Like you're coming together to kill things and to just get the solution, find the, you know, it's like playing Zelda, find the, find the chest, get the thing, go to the next thing. Yeah. absolutely. And the game is, is really based on that. Like, right. You're, you're for lack of a better term, milling XP to level up your character, to do better in the world. That makes sense. Cause it's based on, right. Like, like the early, the stuff I've read about the, where D and D came from, it's based on war gaming. Right. Yeah. And and so it was all about, you know, miniatures and just just fights, getting to the next battle. Going in and killing and getting them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, so you had a table that maybe started one way that now is like really awesomely invested in role playing. Like what was that? Like what was what was it like doing that transition with? And, and now we add the second layer. Right. With family and close friends involved. Yeah, no, it was definitely a point in in the game where we'd been where we'd been playing one way where NPCs were always uh information nuggets along the way where they always had something that helped them get to the next hurdle. Right. Um 
And then we had an NPR, uh, a guest on our show, a guest come play with us. And I didn't give that player any information that helped, would help them get to the next thing. Really, it was a meant to be a world building style episode where this player built out this huge backstory of these different um, uh, military and army and all this sort of things. Um, but it didn't really have direct relation to the task that they were on at that moment. But they sat down around the campfire and then just started hammering questions about their their mission and their goals. Did, your, and your, their, your group did. They like my accosted, did. Yeah, they accosted this player. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, the only thing the player could say was, well, I, I don't know, but that sounds really bad. Don't know. But, you know, you guys but have where's, a good time Where's with that. the sword of Hermicletes? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Don't, I don't know. know. <laughs> um, and then... Yeah. And then after that session, that player approached me and said, hey, I mean, great session. It was a lot of fun, but didn't get to get to any of this. And that was the point when I realized that we needed to sit down as a table because I changed the rules on them without them, without them, without having a direct conversation. So I put, I positioned it like you walk into a bar, you walk into something, you sit down next to somebody. What do you ask them? Do you ask them where the gold at the bottom of the well is? Or do you say, hi, I'm, I'm so-and-so I do this. What do you do? Where are you from? Figure out that person. Um, So put it a little bit more. If that's the game you want to play, put it more into what they would do in real life. And then it could be easier to translate that to their character that they're playing in this hack and slash style. But what was like, do you remember what that conversation was like? Like, was it, was it easy? Was it, because you don't want to like, you don't want to say, hey, we're doing this wrong, right? No, no, no. And, and I don't think that's, I, I hope, at least I hope that's not how I positioned it. Um, I mean, Tom, Amy, and Carla and I uh, go back a long time, Amy especially. She goes back way, way long time. And I, I was nervous going into it. I actually think I talked to Amy about it first. I was like, hey, I think we're, I think we're missing a, a key part of our gameplay here. <laughs> uh, so talk through it with her first. Um, and she's very supportive uh, and said, you know what, Tom and Carla are going to be totally on board for this. So let's just talk about it. And so I positioned it, you know, like I had just said, you know, you walk into a bar. What do you how do you treat a person? And it was like a light clicked for them in that moment hmm. when we're trying to create this this involved narrative story with expansive worlds and deep characters that we had missed that point. Um and they could see it after the fact, um, and but we're totally there to try it. And in fact, in the next session, that's all we did was we sat down and just had character conversations. It was just an improv exercise in how do you talk for an hour as somebody else without having to swing a sword or um, cast a spell or try and find something that you need to get to the next big bad guy. And I think that's a key thing. It is totally okay to play the game. I, I'm not sure if murder hobo family is a good terminal. I don't know. But like, it's totally okay to play the game that way. You can have fun just murder hoboing. Like, you know, like, yep. you know, you're rolling dice. There's battle. You're, you, you get to play something like everyone around the table gets to play something that uh, they don't get to experience in real life. Right. Like living the, the warrior crazy warrior life or being the hero that you know emerges with 
you know, out of the piles of dead bodies, as far as the eye can see, standing on top, holding their sword. Like those are like there's there's iconic fantasy artwork, right? That comes with that. Yeah. And the hard part, I think, is when you realize as a GM that you're not enjoying it uh, as right. much. And and the challenging part is when you have family involved, which I have not experienced. That's what I'm trying to imagine. So I think in my experience, when I've been at a table where I realize I'm not enjoying the style of play, some of the things I've done is bring in another player. I bring in, it's like, it's like on, I'm, I'm going to do a really bad sports metaphor because I really know sports for us. Yeah. Uh, I, well, that's what we know. That's what we're known for. Sean, yeah. We really sports metaphors. Jocks. Uh, so, you know, it's like bringing in that, that ringer or whatever you call it, like, you know, like, uh, the, the person who can actually bat, yeah. uh, yeah. whatever that's called. The ringers, right? Yeah. You yeah. got it first. Yeah. Thanks. There you Thanks, go. man. So it's like bringing someone into the table that, you know, loves playing characters and giving them moments to, um, shine and give them, get the table a chance to sort of experience what it's like to have fun. Um, and the key is to make it fun, uh, right? To make sure that, like, I think for a lot of tables, the the uh, it, it's really easy for the non-battle stuff to just not be fun. It's like, oh, there's a bar, there's some people, right? Yeah. Versus, there's Carl at the back of the bar. Oh, he's drunk, right? Or whatever. Bringing life to all those situations rather than just the... These are the people you see, and then they can decide who they go, uh, you know, talk to or kill, right? Right. And then the second thing you can start to play with, but this can get dangerous with family, I think, is or close friends, is start to show that relationships matter. So James talked about um, one of his players, I think it's his wife, has all these wolves that she has tamed. Show that there is risk to those wolves. Like show that they can be hurt. And if she continues to play in a certain way, some could die. Um, give uh, another player uh, a connection. Like I've even like, like I've given players that were struggling a little bit, trying to find their feet. Like uh, a, they find a baby dragon and they bond with that dragon. And I just keep going till I find something that makes them just, you can see them light up at the table. And then, they have something that you can role play now, right? They have this connection. Like, you know, what was the name of, uh, was it Donnie in Dungeons? Donnie, yep. Um, Donnie. Yeah, new, new Lars, familiar. You're not familiar, but yeah. Yeah. Animal partner. Yep. Yeah. I, 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 see, I see where you're going with this. And I've, uh, I've done similar things uh, and been in trouble for them. Um, <laughs> That's the problem. That's the risk, right? This is the risk, um, and it's where hopefully you have an, a, a very – you're able to have open conversations with your players, your wife, your your kids, uh, your friends, whoever you're playing with. Uh, because if you do something that they don't expect or that they're not assuming is going to happen because they live in this safe world, it's just a piece of paper uh, and a pencil and you're writing down fun things as you get them. Give Guys, good specifics. Give me, an, give me an example of something you did that you're like, oh, that they didn't expect that. That may have crossed the line. In Dungeons, uh, the the group went down into this this tomb, this temple yeah. tomb, um, and they found this pool 
that was if you they found this pool that was being used by cultists in order to divine the future. So how the pool worked, though, is that there was it needed a sacrifice. And at first, when the pool was created, that sacrifice could be small. It could be, you know, food. It could be money. It could be things. But since the cultists had started using it, it escalated so, so bad that basically you need to give your firstborn or sacrifice yourself entirely or something. If if it's an item, it's got to be a good item. And Amy uh, was the one who was willing to ask the question and give something. So she had found a book um, that would basically tell her anything and everything about the world, druids, like connection to earth, all of this stuff. And she hadn't had a chance to, you know, actually dive into it yet. So she's like, well, I'm going to sacrifice this book. And I mean, you sacrifice a book, it might sound silly, but this is the only book of its kind. So she asked the question and then sacrificed it. And I don't think the answer that I gave was quite what she wanted. Right. Because the answer, and I actually had, here's the thing. When so you she gave up something that she gave up something that she thought had a lot more value or worth than yeah, what she got than, back. Than the answer to her question. Which right? you said, which I hope you said was 42. I, I did not. That would have been much better. At least I would have got a laugh out of that. Instead, <laughs> I got grilled. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but what happened after the fact, though, is we talked about it and I realized that the payoff was not what she was hoping for in that sacrifice which she didn't even realize maybe she was that connected to that item or that right. that person yeah. or that thing right yeah and what and this is good because what you're experiencing is it can be it can be even more intense when you then um harm uh I, one of the things that can be the most challenging as a new gm and uh, sometimes even as a weather GM, a beat up weather GM is uh, when a character has a, a a pet or a familiar or a wolf or right. Yeah. I still remember to this day as I was playing a ranger, this must have been, oh man, this must be 20 some odd years ago, Russ, when I was playing with some friends, we've been playing for a while. I had this dragon and the dragon had grown and I think the dragon was annoying the GM because it was so powerful. And we were trying to get, we were just like, we were just like traveling somewhere. And we just went to like start the adventure. Like, oh, let's go down to this cave. And we had to move a boulder. So I just had my dragon move it. But, and the GM, never forget, they went, oh, you didn't check for traps. And the dragon just disappeared in a puff of smoke and was dead. Ugh. It was just bones yep. left. And I remember feeling like I was kicked in the gut. Like I, I don't think I kept playing after a while. I saw, like I remember just being, I, I remember, I remember it to this day, right? It's yeah. like it's like a trauma memory for me. Oh, but yeah. So it's like you got to, you have to be careful, but you can also use that connection to bring players more into a game and more involved from just fighting to feeling and having re- and you know exploring relationships in this game, you know. But I would I would not go straight to James. I would not go straight to killing a wolf, no. one of your wives' wolves. Yeah. But I would jump to straight to some of them being captured 
and taken Captured away. Or disappearing, yeah. Right. Or one becoming really badly injured and they need to nurse it back to life. Like I would start to show, you can start to show in your world that there is risk, right? That there are relationships that yeah. matter to them. But I think you really do need to start with a conversation first and and be open to having conversations when you change the rules. Like, cause I think that's a good point, Russ. It feels like I never thought of it that way. This shift might be a rule change. It might be felt right. as a big shift of rules for the players. It's a change of the social contract, right? Like right. you sit down to play a game and uh, and the game you expect to play is dungeon crawl. You go in, you kill, you loot, you go. You go in, you kill, you loot, you go. And you want to add in world to it. You want to add in role play. You want to add in characters and relationships and all of this. It's a you as the one player or the one DM, which is also a player in the game, um, is changing the social contract for everybody else at the table. So if you don't bring them in on that, it comes as a big surprise and it might be a game that they don't want to play. If you go listen to our session zero episode, we have a bunch of different questions that you can ask. um, And it, it doesn't have to be a session zero. It can be at an established table too, but it has a whole bunch of different questions that you can ask your players to make sure that you are all playing a fun game for yourself. So if one wants to go in and kill a bunch of things, you can plan for that. If one wants to have the role play, you can try and plan for that, right? Give everybody their moment. And hopefully in doing that, you're able to expand the table to play a more deep and and diverse and better game. And hopefully you're having fun with it um, along with everybody else at the table. Yeah. And, and that's the key is like to remember to have fun. So it might be, it might be that you start a new game, right? Like you start a new game using a different system to explore a different way of playing. And then maybe when you talk with your family, they really love this kind of game. Um, James, and you might, if that's the case, you might be able to relax maybe a little and just play this, but, but double down. Uh, James explained that at one point, uh, his wife just came into a room, saw someone and shot an arrow for his head and he was a uh, vital. And so James invoked God mode and had a stalactite fall and blocked the arrow. Um, I would have, I would have your wife roll. And if it's a critical hit and it kills the vital, I know that in the moment you're like, that's all my planning, all my anything, but show consequence. If they're going to be just murder everything they see, you can start to use that to show consequences. They may end up being for a while um, seen as evil in your world. Like they may have just done a horrible thing. You can, you can use that. Like you can, you can, you can kill off a major vital character and then, just finish out the whole session and then be like, your brain can start to churn. What does this mean? Yeah. Uh, what does it mean that these characters sent to go do whatever just killed the good king of whatever? Because it leaves a it leaves a void in your world now that you you've looked beyond it. Now there's power shift. Now there's uh yeah, now there's people looking for them because they exactly. killed this person. Yeah. Yeah. Who's gonna move against the party immediately? Um, and what's going to happen in the background, as Russ is saying, that happens a little slower that you don't see happening. Yeah, don't don't be afraid to show players that their style has consequence as well. Um, so that can actually be fun as a GM for a little bit to to play with that. Um, Absolutely, it's good good world building and story story writing technique is 
removing a removing an element through death, disease, or otherwise, and seeing what happens around it, like yeah. figuring out what goes on as the as the tornado churns around this one event, right? Yeah. In summation, I think it comes down to if you if you want to change the contract of the game, the social contract of your players and you talk about it. Like Sean said, a good way to do it is to bring in a new game, something when you want to make a big change. If you keep playing the same thing, it's often harder than if you're trying a new thing with new rules and new expectations. And then it's also about um, giving opportunities for consequence, but also for them to feel something. Give those moments for them to suddenly realize they care about these wolves. They care about... um, this dragon they care about whatever yeah try and find those moments because that that is one of the cool parts about role-playing that uh you can start to explore and then you can have other family meetings to talk about that um you know um and be careful because if you do harm something in game that someone cares about that can be traumatic so you can you can have conversations about what's allowed and what's safe and what's fun for everyone Thank you, James, for your question. Uh, hopefully that helps you. If you have more questions, send them to us at dm2gmcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter um, or join us in our Discord. Link is down in the description for all those lovely things. Uh, and until next time, get your game started. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish. It happened in the quiet town of Podunk, an ages-old family mystery. What happened with Great Grandpa? Why won't you talk about it? Because there's nothing to say, Ninten. Begets an unprecedented paranormal event. Help, My lamp attacked me. It was hovering the air. It unplugged itself and came at me. Mind control. Why is that crow smoking a cigarette? Okay, we're playing inside today. Zombie. I could have gotten out of here on my own. You were hiding in a coffin. It was a good disguise. Extraterrestrials. You've seen them too? I've been observing them for days. (laughs) I beat up aliens with my baseball bat. Children with psychokinetic powers. I let that little light of mine shine, Mama. And it melted the darkness away. And that's just the beginning. Introducing Mother She Wrote, a travelogue diary through the biggest cult phenomena in video game history. The Mother Series, as it's called in Japan, and Earthbound, as it's called everywhere else. Each episode, we recount the story through immersive audio drama as it's lived by the characters, unpacking the surreal adventures, tear-jerking moments, and what it all means. If you're new to the series, we'll take you beyond the controller and into the story. And if you're a longtime fan, relive these tales like never before and learn fascinating new facts about your favorite games. Find Mother She Wrote on your favorite podcast player and at MotherSheWrote.Earth.